Airlines Confidential with Ben Baldanza and Chris Chimes is made possible with the support of Pratt & Whitney with the broadest and deepest experience in all forms of aircraft propulsion. PrattWhitney.com TA Connections, the industry's most comprehensive airline lodging and crew logistics program. TAConnections.com Clear, a leader in touchless travel. Learn more at clearme.com slash airlines. And Seabury Capital Group, global reach, global scale. SeaburyCapital.com. We also welcome your business's support. Info at AirlinesConfidential.com. Welcome to Airlines Confidential. I'm Chris Chimes, along with Ben Belbenza. Uh, I hope you've had a chance to listen to our conversation last week with Declan Ryan of the Ryanair family. But if you haven't yet, please put it on your playlist. Uh, ben, how was your week? Hey, Chris. All's good here in D.C. Unless you're an allergy sufferer like me, you'd be using up a lot of Kleenex like I am. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, great. <laughs> it's not pretty here in Texas either, so uh, I, I hear you on that. Well, in addition to that and another busy week in the airline business, so let's get right to the news. You got it, Ben. Uh, first up for our listeners, as springtime continues to blossom across North America and Europe, we keep looking for signs of spring in the airline business as well as it relates to the outlook for business and capacity as we head into the typically busy summer travel season. Kappa has some interesting analysis by region that I was taking a look at. For Europe especially, despite the European traditions for summer holidays, the outlook is still very speculative. For early April, Europe's seat capacity was only 30% of April 2019 levels, which is being used as the benchmark. That compares to 47% for the Middle East, 49% for Africa, 55% for Latin America, 64% for North America, and 70% for APAC, which is actually the first region to cross that 70% threshold. But the European capacity is expected to quickly close the gap by this summer, ramping from the 30% of capacity now to more than 70% of summer capacity as compared to 2019 by July and August. As expected, Ryanair and Wizz Air lead the pack, but Kappa is cautioning this is very uncertain given the uneven rollout of vaccines across Europe. Ben, if you're running an airline in Europe right now, how would you be thinking about the summer? Well, Chris, I'd probably be thinking about it the same as if I were running an airline in the United States or almost anywhere in, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere, which is people clearly want to travel. And if you've got a big population, as Europe does, as the U.S. does, of travelers, and we all know that Europeans love to travel at least as much as U.S. people love to travel, right, I would be want to be bullish. And I would certainly want to think, especially if I were a low-cost carrier like Ryan or Wiz that could offer really low attractive fares, I think I would do what they're doing is put out a lot of that capacity. They still have the ability to pull that back, right? If they're loading schedules now in April for July and August, they can see how aggressively that's being booked and start to trim that back some long before they have a lot of customers who might be disenfranchised because their flight was canceled and such. In fact, the only reason they would think of pulling back is because they weren't getting the bookings. So I think given the rollout, even though it's uneven of vaccines, and as importantly, the relatively fast-changing landscape of countries and cities deciding 
you know, what you need to do in terms of testing or showing your vaccine cards or what. I think planning for a busy summer, meaning having your airplanes ready, your crews ready, your crews trained and things like that, is a better risk to take than being caught with a lot of demand and not being able to service it. What I think works in in favor of trying to be aggressive is this is still relatively short-haul flying. Europe's dense in population, lots of places to go and in a couple of hours. So whether you're an ultra-low-cost carrier or a regional carrier or an international carrier with, with hubs in Europe, you can still get people around in a two- to three-hour flight uh, to, to most of the continent. So they can take those chances. And like you said, if they need to pull back, they can do so. Now, Chris, a lot of the people who fly into Florida and other ports in the U.S. and ports in Europe as well are also connecting with cruise ships. And you obviously know a lot about that business. What do you think about the cruise business for the summer? Because that's going to drive some of the air capacity. Well, more lines are moving their ships to Europe. You know, Greece in particular has been very both aggressive and also kind of in a leadership role dealing with the pandemic in ways that have, have kept infections down. And so you're going to see more cruising out of Europe this summer that might have been North American capacity. Um, so that's going to drive some some of the air travel. And frankly, that's part of the frustration right now with the cruise industry in the U.S. is cruisers can get on a plane, fly to Europe, go on a cruise, fly back, and there's no CDC guidance to prevent that, but yet uh, Americans or others who want to cruise out of U.S. ports can't right now. So this is uh, an ongoing public discussion. It's getting a little hotter and more pointed, but um, we're hopeful of some, some breakthroughs in our talks with the CDC. Well, good luck with that. And I bet some of those Ryanair and Wizz airplanes are going to Greece for exactly that reason. I think that's a, that's a smart bet. So we've got some more news in a moment. But first, a reminder that Seabury Capital is the premier banking and finance group in aviation, boasting a 25-year track record of advising key clients in aviation, aerospace and defense, and financial services and technologies. Seabury Capital Group's award-winning and widely respected team has superior industry knowledge along with state-of-the-art analysis, technology, and solutions, and an unmatched depth of relationships with decision makers in industry, finance, and government. Explore their global reach and scale at seaburycapital.com. Ben, the subject of vaccine passports also continues to be bounced around. Here in the U.S., it's becoming political, like vaccines and masks. Big U.S. airlines are generally against requiring vaccines, but some airline execs have said vaccine passports could actually help streamline global travel. Many governors in the U.S. have issued executive orders banning the use of a vaccine passport. President Biden has said he does not support them. International governments are more, more open to the idea, and certainly in an open border situation like the EU, it would be easier to adopt as part of a policy of free movement between countries. But there's already a booming black market for fake vaccination certificates in the U.S., and opponents raise privacy concerns. Recently, Amadeus released a survey in which 90% of respondents in many parts of the world were supportive of the concept. Do you think this is going to go anywhere? You know, this is a real tough one, Chris. Obviously, there's enormous privacy issues here about, you know, what do you do with your own body? Of course, there's that. I did get vaccinated a month ago, and literally, as I was walking out, 
I'm looking at my new vaccination card that says that I got the shot on this day. The first thing I thought is, wow, this would be the easiest thing to fake. <laughs> I, mean, <it's> like, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing like a, that looks all that official about it. It's got a little CDC name on it, but nothing that would be hard to copy or anything. And I, it just, that was the first thing I thought is, wow, if this becomes required to show this, how is there going to be any sense as to whose is real and whose isn't? I mean, the person who sat in front of me signed it. So right. who knows who, the, you know, they don't know who that person was, right? It was someone that Arlington, Virginia authorized to put the shot in my arm. Well, there's, there's right? tens of thousands of people administering these vaccines and signing forms. So how are you Yeah, and so, so it's not even them. like there's a, a formal signature or something you do or some sort of stamp or things. So I think the, for lack of better term, the sort of easy way they've made the vaccine available with thousands of distribution points and things like that also creates a challenge to say, we're going to use that as the basis as to whether you should board an airplane or not. That says to me that, well, if we can't be sure that the vaccination certificate is right, or we don't even want to ask you because we think that invades your privacy somewhat, well, is it not invasion of privacy to stick a swab up your nose or do something like that to take a test? Or maybe with a new saliva test, you know, give a saliva sample and get it tested quickly. It's possible that the world may move more in a testing mode, especially countries who say we want to we want a lot of tourists, but we want to make sure they're not bringing in things that we don't want them to bring in. So we can test them as they land, and we can get their if we can get their results quickly, meaning you know in a a few minutes, not a few days. And testing is moving in that direction. Maybe that's where they'll go over passports. That said, being someone vaccinated, I would like to. I wouldn't mind like having a more official way to tell someone I was vaccinated. I wouldn't, that wouldn't bother me to have to show that to get on a plane. But I understand why there are many people in the world who might not like that. This is a, this is a real tough issue. And like many things like this, it gets to much broader issues than just much broader policy issues than just the medical reality of might you spread this virus or not. Yeah, I almost want a little V tattoo on my forehead to let people know I've been vaccinated, and you know they they don't have to stand six feet or ten feet away from me. Uh, this I feel like this is like a house of mirrors kind of situation. It's really difficult with every door you open. There's something else there. Um, I get the privacy concerns, but at the same time, we're sharing a lot more information every day about our behaviors uh, on our phones and. I don't think you know young people even think about privacy anymore with their behavior online and and with digital kinds of outlets. So I, I don't know where this is going to go. Uh, clearly, without support from government, the public demand or interest is is not going to drive this. And there's still enough people who are against taking the vaccination that they're going to be noisy about this. So at least in the U.S., I'm not sure there's a solution, but it, it will be interesting to see if other parts of the world implement it and how Americans will adapt to it. I think that's right, Chris. And you've, you know, we've all seen that celebrities and some others were basically shamed when they took selfies of themselves getting the vaccine or having the vaccine because it looked narcissistic and things like that. And I think at least some of them 
I'm not denying that some of them are narcissists, right? But at least some of them were saying, I want to do a public service. If somebody's nervous about getting the vaccine and they see more and more people getting it, including people that they pay to see in movies and things like that, maybe they'll encourage them to get it. So I'm not suggesting that all of that selfie behavior was was bad. And yet they got shamed against that. And I think it just shows how far this stuff can go. Well, we'll be right back with more Airlines Confidential. But first, a word for Pratt & Whitney, a world leader in the design, manufacture, and service of aircraft and helicopter engines and auxiliary power units. The Pratt & Whitney GTF engine is driving the next generation of more sustainable travel. This revolutionary geared turbofan engine is allowing airlines and airports to open new routes and fly more people farther and with less fuel and much lower noise. Learn more at pwgtf.com. Ben, I assume you saw that item that popped over the weekend on the grounding of some 737 Maxes over an electrical issue. Uh, was there anything there that you can see? You know, I saw that grounding and I thought, man, it's this plane again, right? My guess is, is if it wasn't the 737 MAX, I'm not going to say it wouldn't have been grounded, but I'm going to say it might not have gotten as much media as it got. That sort of thing has happened before on other airplanes. They can be relatively short AD or airworthiness directive. I don't know how serious or not this is, but it's that thing, you know, you buy a new car and all of a sudden you see that car all over the road, right? We know about the 737 MAX. It's still in our minds. It was grounded for two years, killed a lot of people. Now it's back. So anything that goes wrong with that plane is going to be made a big story. I'm not sure if this is a big story or not. It might be a relatively simple AD that gets cleared out quite quickly, but because it's the max, we're going to hear about this for a while. And I, I just hope it isn't something serious. Yeah, I had kind of the same thought. And plus, it just looked like you know, Boeing and the regulators had learned their lessons from two years ago and were getting out front very quickly and kind of, you know, we're on it, being transparent and trying to get to it. Finally, on the news front, a fond farewell or maybe a goodbye and good riddance to gate 35X at Washington Reagan Airport. Most anyone who has flown on U.S. Airways and now American Airlines out of Reagan over the past 15 plus years is familiar with this version of what I'll call airline purgatory. <laughs> Thankfully, the airport and American Airlines have completed the long-awaited midfield or more like mid-apron commuter terminal, eliminating one of the most miserable experiences at a major U.S. airport. When U.S. Airways opened the setup at 35X, it was a creative way to get passengers to the many regional jets. It was bringing online as it built up operations at Reagan, but it quickly became a terrible customer experience with a jammed waiting area, crowded escalators, and buses that combined to get any trip off to a lousy start. Uh, ben, you feeling nostalgic about this? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm feeling nostalgic just like I was nostalgic when the North Terminal at Newark closed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was in that 35X gate more times than I would care to. Uh, when you and I both worked at U.S. Airways, Chris, I had family up in Syracuse, New York. And so all these those flights were regional jets. And so you'd go down that escalator. And if you'd go down too early, they'd yell at you, your flight's not ready yet. Right? And, they, and it, it was just terrible. You know, I'm not... I don't know exactly how the new mid-apron terminal is going to work, but it's got to be better than 35X. 
Yeah, there was always that feeling as you're getting on the escalator going down that, you know, go, going down to hell or something. <laughs> um, and and USA was used to have a really great agent who was on the PA kind of keeping people entertained and keeping things fast. And, you know, there was like a, a new boarding announcement about every 20 seconds and somehow he, he kept it going. But I, I think every passenger who's ever passed through there will be glad it will never be again. You know, and I'm sure this isn't true, Chris, but I always had the sense that like when the when the Dunkin' Donuts on the maid level, when the donuts got too old, they would send them down to 35 X. Because right? <laughs> just nothing seemed as good down there. <laughs> well, we've got listener questions coming up. And we also want to thank our friends at TA Connections. Travel Alliance and Hotel Connections have come together to become TA Connections, paving the way for a new chapter in crew logistics management. Learn more at taconnections.com. That's taconnections.com. TA Connections, a fleet core company, the world's leading provider of technology and services for crew and passenger logistics management. The Airlines Confidential Podcast is now available on Apple, Google, iHeart, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Pandora, Spotify, TuneIn, and many more. Use your favorite podcasting app with just one click at airlinesconfidential.com. Airlines Confidential listeners, I'm sure many of you are aware of the terrific conference that happens every year called MRO Americas in beautiful Orlando, Florida. This year, the conference is being held on April 27th through 29th, and it will be a live conference as well as allowing people to come in virtually. And so it's great that they're able to do it in that hybrid kind of way this year. Airlines Confidential will be a media supporter of this event, meaning we will be there live. And so if you're going to be at MRO Americas, please come and say hello to us and maybe we'll even get you on the air. Listeners of Airlines Confidential can save 35% on a full conference pass or on a trade show only pass to the live or virtual event. Use the code ACMRO2021. That's ACMRO2021. Hope to see you in Orlando. Welcome back to Airlines Confidential. Airlines Confidential welcomes your feedback, comments, and questions. Our phone number where you can leave a comment or question is 202-964-0177. Or you can email us at questions at airlinesconfidential.com or visit our website at airlinesconfidential.com and follow the prompts. We're available on all the major podcast platforms, and you can now ask Amazon Alexa or Google Assist to turn us on. Just say, play the Airlines Confidential podcast. Ben, our first question is for you, and it's from Brian in Chicago. Guys, I recently flew from Bogota to Cancun via Miami and was pleasantly surprised when I was told I wouldn't have to clean my bags in Miami and recheck them onto Cancun. I asked the agent in Bogota three times to make sure he assured me it was true, but why is it when I'm making a domestic connection from an international flight, I have to recheck my bags, but for this international connection, I didn't have to. It was so nice, as usually it takes at least an hour to get bags in Miami. Not that I'm complaining, but wondering if you know why this is allowed. This is an excellent question, and there is a good reason why this is allowed. When you came to Miami from Bogota on your way to Cancun, 
You never legally entered the U.S., Brian. <laughs> you never went through customs and you were never officially allowed entry into the U.S. You were still in legal terms outside the U.S. So your bag connected because you were not entering the U.S. And they were able to do that. And your bag never entered the U.S. in a legal sense. I realize you were on U.S. grounds. Miami's clearly in the U.S. But in legal terms, you hadn't entered. You hadn't been accepted by customs to come in the country. Nobody looked at your passport or your visa if you're not a U.S. citizen to be able to come here. And your bag was sort of in that same piece. So connecting in Miami would have been the same as connecting in Panama or in Santo Domingo or El Salvador or any other way you may have been able to connect to get there. When you come into the U.S., however, all the security checks go in place. So they check you to make sure you have legal right to be here and you're either a citizen and can show that with a passport or a legally entering foreigner with a visa or something and your bags are scanned and checked. They scan your bags before and you have to recheck them because you have to collect them through. So it's all about sort of the formal entering of the United States versus just transiting through. That's the reason for that. And it's, but it's a great question. And I agree with you. It's really nice that you don't have to do it even when you're connecting in Miami. That's a good answer and good outcome. He still flew several extra hours to get to Cancun. So I'm not <laughs> sure not picking up the bag saved him much time. But, uh, it's you know, ask, know, ask Avianca why they don't just fly that nonstop for you, right? <laughs> there, there, there you go. <laughs> well, Chris, I'll take you to this next question. It's from Felipe in Sacramento. Hello, gentlemen. Love your show. Last week, I traveled from Sacramento to Atlanta on Delta Airlines. I traveled with my wife and son, but they were on a separate ticket. They were assigned seats together in the same row with their middle seat empty, as is their current policy. I should say was Delta's current policy then. Because I was on a separate ticket, an award ticket, I was assigned a seat elsewhere on the plane. Before boarding, I asked the gate agent if I could sit in the open middle seat between my family, and he said it was fine. I suggested to him that he could just release my seat so that he can give it to a standby passenger since I wouldn't be occupying it. I thought it was a nice gesture since then they could accommodate a needy standby passenger. He seemed appreciative of the idea, and it looked like he called up a standby and gave him my seat. After everyone boarded, we were set to go, but then a Delta employee announced to the cabin that they oversold the plane by one seat and that they needed a volunteer to give up their seat, and as compensation, they would give $800 plus a seat on the next flight. Someone quickly took up their offer. I immediately thought, oh no, did I accidentally cause the gate agent to fill the plane with one extra person due to me giving up my assigned seat? Given the airline's current financial struggles, I'd hate to think that I cost them $800 for me simply trying to be nice. What do you think of this, Chris? Well, I think Raphael needs to get the most thoughtful airline passenger of the year award. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't put his bare feet up on the bulkhead wall either. So, um, Raphael, no, you didn't cause this. There are a number of factors, including the fuel load, cargo weight, potential headwinds that are all part of the calculation. And that middle seat rule for Delta, which is going away, I think, at the end of this month, is voluntary. So, the flight wasn't oversold with regard to not having enough seats. 
Uh, so I'm guessing there was some other factor, but I do think that Delta needs to give Raphael some bonus sky miles for being such a good guy. I, I totally agree with you on this, Chris. You were a nice guy there. And also, if they gave your original seat to a standby passenger, they would have just gone to that standby passenger and say, sorry, you can't have the seat after all. They wouldn't have made an announcement saying somebody with a paid ticket is going to have to get off. So I think that's exactly right. Does something else cause them to have to pull someone off the airplane for weight purposes? All kinds of reasons that could be true. And you did a great thing there. And that was really nice. And I'm sure all airline employees would love to think everyone thinks like you when they're at a gate. Well, Finer Wine is next, and it's brought to you by Clear. Travel with confidence with Clear. Touchless, fast, safer airport travel. Clear's touchless identity verification is available in 34 U.S. airports, moving you quickly and without crowds through airport security. Enroll today at www.clearme.com airlines. Ben, here's an airline complaint that kind of surprised me, but then kind of not. And I think we're going to hear more of it's from CC in Chicago. I'm very unhappy. United Airlines refused to let me carry my emotional support dog on me with my flight last week. They said this was a new government rule. Did I miss something? Especially after this very difficult year, I can't imagine why this rule was imposed now. Can they really do this? <laughs> Uh, how many capital letters can you use to spell the word wine, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Cece, I think you must have had your head in the sand. There was, for the last number of years, there's been such massive abuse of the emotional support animal that Congress actually got their act together and said, look, we have to put some control around this. And there's now been a lot of limits put on this. Clearly, designated service animals are still allowed on board. And those who need and use designated service dogs can be taken on board with the right you know, paperwork and things like that. But the idea of the emotional support animal, dog, pig, snake, peacock, whatever, is now gone. And that's a really good thing for the industry. My sense is that this was a policy that many people use just to avoid paying pet fees. And yet the people who really do have service animals and need the service of service animals sometimes were disadvantaged because the airline couldn't allow more than a certain number of animals on board and they didn't even get their dog on board potentially. So I feel bad that CC sort of missed that news. But it's got to be a whine because CC knows why she was bringing the dog as an emotional support animal too, I think, Chris. Yeah, probably uh, the, the poor dog is whining too. Um, <laughs> I don't think we should banish CC to the doghouse, but I, I think CC's question reminds us that there are so many passengers out there that don't fly frequently. And those of us who do fly frequently and know all the rules and know all the ins and outs sometimes get frustrated by people who don't know the rules, but there's a lot of people who fly once a year, or in this case, she may not have flown since the pandemic started. Look how many people try to bring a big bottle of shampoo through TSA 20 years after 9-11, <laughs> you know, not knowing the rules. So it's something that airlines have to contend with every day and TSA and, and airports. And um, it's just part of dealing with lots of people every day where everyone's not paying attention. Well, that's a really fair point. She did know what an emotional support animal was, what that term was. So it's very likely that she hadn't flown in a while, but had used that before. 
And so then getting caught with the rule change was unfortunate for Cece. I agree. She doesn't need to go to the doghouse, but she's going to bring her dog. She's going to pay a pet fee now. Well, as we uh, wind up this week, I'm going to give a shout out to Southwest Airlines, who's the latest in a string of, of many airlines who are bringing more employees back from furlough or voluntary furlough. Uh, they're bringing back, I think, close to 3,000 flight attendants getting ready for the summer. So that's all good news and good news for those employees. That's a great shout out, Chris. I'm going to give a real geeky shout out today to the Deloitte State of the Consumer website. You can Google Deloitte, D-E-L-O-I-T-T-E, Deloitte State of the Consumer, and they'll take you to this website. And in a world where there's so much emotion about mask wearing, about vaccine getting and travel and things like that, what's great about this website is they take regular surveys of real people and ask them, you know, their sentiment of anxiety of travel right now and of spending and are they excited or not about taking an airline trip or when might they take the next airline trip or when might they want to get on a cruise line again and things like that. And the data are terrific. They're shown in really nice graphs and it's a good way to sort of dampen down the emotion of where we are and just look at real data around what people are saying about travel and get a sense of, look, more people are thinking about traveling, yet it's still a pretty low number. And more people are thinking about taking a vacation more than six months ago, but it's still a relatively low number. So if you think about travel, and you think about the effect of travel on the economy and maybe even your job, go to this site and scroll through the graphs. You'll learn a lot and you'll get a, a much more grounded sense of what's really going on out there. It's a great site. Good stuff, uh, Professor Ben, taking us to school. So um, <laughs> I, I think that's a wrap for the week. Everyone have a good week. Ben, you too. Have a great week, Chris. Hope to talk to you all next week. This podcast is produced by Mass Media. Info at massmedia.net.